honest um, historians admit that Western culture was largely the creation of people who believed in biblical principles. Whether they were believers, as we deem believers or not, they drew their morals and societal standards from Judeo-Christian teaching. Uh, that uh, stands to reason. Now, you know, the late, great Christopher Hitchens, um, he was confronted with that fact in a debate that I was watching, and he didn't deny it. As a matter of fact, this is what Hitchens said. He's a, a famous atheist, if you don't know him. He said, yes, that's true. But we don't need the church anymore, so go away. That's what he said. That's true. We don't need the church anymore, so go away. Have you noticed, brothers and sisters, that is what our culture is beginning to tell the church now. Thank you for the culture that you've created for us. Now we don't need you. Leave us alone. Go away. That's what we're being told. So, brothers and sisters, if that is what the devil is telling the church, what we tell one another is very, very important. So what do we tell one another? Well, look at... An example from Paul. Look at Philippians 4, 1. Philippians 4, 1. Now, you know the book of Philippians was sort of a, a thank you note that got out of hand. This, these believers at Philippi uh, did some good things for Paul. They uh, took care of some needs of his and he sat down to write them a thank you note. And we wound up with this wonderful uh, letter where he just couldn't stop talking. Can you imagine how different every church would be if every time we got together we got carried away saying thank you to one another. That's what he did here. He lifted their spirits by telling them thank you. Um, let me read this verse. Philippians 4.1 Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, some of you have, if you're uh, acquainted with what's going on in the church in a wider sense outside the, the Baptist church and certainly the Southern Baptist church, have you noticed that the Apostle Paul in this modern age is starting to get a raw deal? People are beginning in pulpits in Rome, Georgia, Pastors are bad-mouthing the Apostle Paul. I've got a good buddy 
who is uh, a, an elder at a church in another denomination here in town. And we were all sitting around the coffee shop talking one time. And his name is Paul as well. And he was saying that he regrets that his parents named him after the Apostle Paul. The, because of the teaching of Paul, he, and listen, his pastor agrees with him. His pastor, who has a Ph.D. in divinity and biblical studies in original languages, considers the, the Apostle Paul sexist and misogynist and homophobic and all those other uh, names people are given the church now. They believe that, that Paul was an angry, hateful, bigoted person. Is that the impression you get from reading words like, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown. This was a man who was full of love. He was full of love. A great example is when he was at the church at Ephesus. And he was there two or three years teaching the Bible there. Can you imagine having the Apostle Paul as your pastor? And he was there for a long, long time. And when he left, he got the elders together and he gave them this big, beautiful, uh, long soliloquy. And, and he broke their hearts in it because he told them, he said, you will see my face no more. And it tore him up. And actually, look at that passage. It's in, it's in Acts 20, 36. And we'll come right back to Philippians in a minute. Uh, Acts 20, verse 36. This is after Paul makes this big, long uh, speech to them. And look at Acts 20, 36. And when he had said these things... He knelt down and prayed with them all. Now, is this a hateful man? Listen to this. And they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck. And they kissed him. Huh. Is that a hateful man? Is that a hateful man? That's a loving man. This The Apostle Paul is, is considered harsh. You know why? Because he tells you the truth about you. You know what? I need the truth told about me. Why? Because if I don't know that truth, I won't repent. No repentance, no salvation. No repentance, no salvation. And look at verse 38. Sorrowing most of all, listen to this, for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. They wept and they cried. These Back in verse 17, you'll see these were grown men. These were the elders of the church. And they cried all over the apostle Paul, hugging his neck and kissing him on the ground, praying. And they accompanied him 
to the ship. So you go back to Philippians 4. The Apostle Paul loved these Christians. As a matter of fact, in Philippians 4.1, he uses the word beloved twice. At the beginning, at the end of the verse. My beloved and longed for brethren. And he ends with calling them beloved again. Beloved, twice in the same breath, he called them that. Listen, folks, in a world where we're told that the church doesn't matter and that you need to go away, you know what you need to do? You need to love the people in this building right now. Yeah, that's what, that's what we have to do. We have to stick together and love one another. Follow the example of the Apostle Paul here. Look what he said. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren. Longed for. Dr. MacArthur said something interesting about this Greek word for longed for. He said the root of that word is a word for pain. A word for pain. You see what he's saying? He's saying that his separation from these Philippian believers hurt him. Oh, listen folks. When we drive off the parking lot, we should yearn to be right back here with the people of God. Paul missed these people. Well, why? He missed them because this church was was a personal thing to him. Uh, You know, you may be surprised to find out that, you know, we think that all these apostles had all these burdens for all these different towns. Paul didn't have any burden for Philippi originally that we knew anything about. It's not in the scripture. Paul was not, not only, was he not trying to go to Philippi, he was trying not to. That is not where he wanted to go. He had a, a dream in his heart. You ever had a, a mission dream, a ministry dream in your heart? The Lord wouldn't let you do it? Well, that's because it's somebody else's job to do. He wanted to go to Asia. Guess who stopped him? The Holy Spirit. Huh? The Apostle Paul wanted to go preach the gospel in Asia, and the Holy Spirit forbade it. And while he was stewing about that, he got a vision. A vision came, and it was a Macedonian man. And this man said in this vision, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul loaded up, the, loaded up the guys and off they went to Macedonia. And they went to the city of Philippi. Listen folks, no churches in Philippi. No Christians in Philippi that we know anything about. Brand new mission field. And he went down by the river on the Sabbath. And that's where people gathered to pray. And there was a businesswoman. Listen, ladies. There was a businesswoman there named Lydia. I, I like her. She, she uh, like me, she, works in the, she worked in the textile industry. She sold, uh, she sold cloth, uh, purple cloth, a high-end expensive, uh, expensive uh, product. And when the Apostle Paul and his men, whoever was with him, got down there at the river, 
Lydia and some lady friends of her were sitting around praying at the riverside. And he just came up to them and started talking to them, giving them the gospel. Interesting thing is Acts talks about Lydia. Before she was a Christian, she was a worshiper. She was down there praying. She was coming to God with all the information that she had available to her, but she didn't know about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, he preached to them and spoke to them. Listen to this. Listen to this. Acts 16, 14. This is sweet. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Isn't that great? How do you get saved? The Lord opens up your heart to the things spoken to you through the Scripture. And here she was, the first believer there. In Sunday school, we're, we're, um, last couple of weeks, we're talking about uh, Mary Magdalene. Being the first one that the Lord Jesus appeared to when he rose from the dead. Aside, of course, from the angels. The first person he appeared to. Now, here's another example of a first being a woman. The first convert in Macedonia was this woman. And guess what she did? She went home. Her whole house was baptized. Right? It's possible that the very first church in that area was in her home. Well, the Lord opened up her heart and she, uh, to, to heed the things spoken by Paul. Now, folks, that is exactly how you were saved, Christian. Somebody spoke the gospel, you heard it or you read it, and the Lord opened up your heart. And what was the result? You heeded what you heard. And that's how that church was founded. And that's why it was so dear to Paul. Well, Philippians 4.1 says that they, he, he longed for them. He missed them. He longed for them. Have you ever wondered, brothers and sisters, uh, when you're here on Wednesday night, have you ever wondered why this sanctuary... Is, is mostly full on Sunday morning and mostly empty on Wednesday night. Listen, brothers and sisters, it's because of a lack of longing. Longing. Paul could not stand to be away from the Christians at Philippi. And when we get in our cars and we drive out of here tonight, we ought to say in our hearts, I can't wait to get back there Sunday and be with my brothers and my sisters. A lot of you are probably here tonight because you couldn't wait to see the people you're sitting with right now. Is that not true? It is true. Well, that's how Paul felt about the Christians in Philippi. Well, Look what he says here. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren. I love that, that word. 
I, I love, and we've kind of, we're kind of losing it um, in the modern age, but I love it when Christians call one another brother and sister. Perfectly, perfectly biblical. And you know the meanings of that, right? We, we are adopted into God's family, redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that makes us brothers and sisters. When I was a, when I was a boy uh, in this little church I grew up in, they, they used to sing a lot of, uh, of uh, Gaither-type music. And they used to sing that one that went, you may notice we say brother and sister around here. It's because we're a family. These folks are so dear. When one has a heartache, we all share the tears and rejoice in each victory in this family. So dear. It's true, isn't it? Don't you feel that? Don't you feel that among your small groups and your Sunday school? In the choir, I feel it in the choir. These are, these are, uh, these are our brothers. These are our sisters. Well, I think the Apostle Paul could have sung that song. By the way, the lack of longing for one another has given rise to the marketing style methodologies of the church. Let me say that again and think about this. The lack of longing for one another has given rise to the marketing style methodologies of the church. How so? This is it. If people don't care if they see each other or not, you have to give them another reason to come to church. Huh? Yeah, we should be lined up at the door before they bring the keys to open the place. If people don't care if they see one another or not, you have to give them some other reason to go church that attitude belittles the ministry of bible teaching and the ministry of fellowship it's as if people are looking at the work of the apostles and and saying well sure what paul did was okay i guess but just imagine what he could have done with a fog machine and a nice stylish pair of skinny jeans, right? As if, our, as if our methods and our style mean anything. They do not mean anything. The truths of this word are supra-cultural. They cut across every language, every nation, every people, in every time, and it doesn't matter how you do it, but it does matter that you do it. That we teach God's word and that we love one another. You know what you need at church? You need two things. You need the Bible and you need each other. That's what you need. You need the Bible and you need each other. Every other ministry of the church from evangelism to benevolence Everything, everything else will fall into place. If you have the teaching of the Bible and you have one another. Those are the two things that the Holy Spirit uses. By the way, one reason we come to church, 
I find this true of myself all the time. We come to church to encounter the Bible and to have our attitudes readjusted. Is that not true? Don't you find, don't look at me like that. You come to church with a snotty attitude, and by the time Gary's done with you, you leave here repentant, right? The Holy Spirit has spoken to you with His Word. Years ago, when we lived in Chattanooga, and my children were very small, um, at our church we had Awanas. And our kids were memorizing all those verses. And Sam, my elder son, was very small. He must, I don't know, he must have been in the Sparks, whatever that group is. Very, very, very little kid. And I'm telling you, <laughs> Janet and I were, were, you know, we were a young couple and didn't know any better than to argue in front of our kids. And we lived in this tiny little apartment, and there was nowhere to argue, right? So we were arguing about something, and it was getting pretty heated, right? I'm sure Janet was wrong. Whatever it was, I don't remember. Don't quote me. I'm guessing, okay? I'm guessing. And uh, she's not here. Is she here? Oh, I'm in so much trouble. Um, but we were arguing, and Samuel who had been memorizing these verses, barged into the room, just a little bitty kid. And he walked, in, stormed in between us, and he pushed our legs apart like, you know, like he was Samson in the temple of Baal. And that little boy looked up at me with these gigantic, beautiful blue eyes swimming in angry tears and pointed that little finger at his father and said, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. That's why we come to church. Let me tell you something. Janet and I looked at each other. Attitude adjusted. Attitude adjusted. Adjusted, be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. Some of that's from Ephesians. I know you remember that. The Apostle Paul was in Ephesus for uh, two or three years, and so was Summer and I. I taught, <laughs> she was in a class, I taught Ephesians forever. Um, listen to the Amplified of, of uh, Philippians 4 1. Therefore, my brethren, whom I, listen, Love and yearn for. Don't we feel that way about each other, brothers and sisters? We, when we're not together, we yearn for one another. Listen, my delight and my wreath crown of glory. Huh? My wreath crown of glory. Thus stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Now, the, the people at Philippi, these were, this is, these were Greek people. These were Greek folks. And they understood completely what Paul said when he said that they were his wreath crown of glory. I would have loved to have seen their face when somebody came in that church and read that. 
I'm sure their hearts all skipped a beat and they said, Oh, he thinks that about us. This was a reference to to the various games, sporting events that they would play. And when you would win, the winner would get a laurel wreath or a holly wreath, a crown, a crown that would go on their heads. Look, folks, what Paul was doing there with using that, Paul is connecting. Paul is saying that he's connected into in eternity with these folks because they are his crown. They are the their their existence in the church of the living God is a result of the apostle Paul's ministry to them. They are a crown, not the kind of crown that'll just that'll just fade away, but they are an eternal crown. Listen folks, listen. The apostle Paul is still enjoying fellowship with the church at Philippi. They're enjoying fellowship in a way that we don't even understand yet. Listen, listen folks, what is it that you're wanting to you're just wanting to walk away from right now? Listen, give it the give it an eternal perspective. What we do in this church counts forever. Counts forever. You think it's mundane? It is not mundane. It is eternal. Your work for this congregation has eternal consequences. In a billion years, you'll praise God you didn't quit. So, when we're told that we are no longer valuable and that we need to just go away, what do we do? Paul tells us, he says, so stand fast in the Lord. Now, standing fast, what does this not mean? This does not mean to give our society a bloody nose. It doesn't mean to picket. It doesn't mean to protest. It doesn't mean to argue. It doesn't mean to rant on social media against everything unbiblical. It doesn't mean to be rude. It doesn't mean to be unkind. It doesn't mean to be belligerent. It simply means that we firmly, lovingly refuse to budge from true doctrinal principles. Not gray areas. Not things that we don't know if that's really right or not. But buddy, whatever the Bible says in black and white, we can't ever budge. Never, never, never. If the entire world turns its back on biblical principles, the church must stand fast. Both here and where you work and in your neighborhood, on your soccer team, whatever your social groups are, stand fast. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be rude. But you don't have to be moved. Right? Where has God put you? He's he's given you a place to stand for Him. Don't give that ground up to anybody else. Stand there. Do your job. By the way, this is not a passive standing. It's an active standing. 
Paul said to the Corinthians, listen to this. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. My beloved brethren, be what? Steadfast, immovable. Steadfast, immovable. Now that sounds pretty, uh, pretty intransigent, doesn't it? It sounds like you're just not doing anything. But he goes on and he says this. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Anybody need to hear that tonight? That what you're doing for the Lord Jesus Christ is not in vain. I think he says this because we often... Listen, the work of the church, the piddly stuff we do very often, feels pointless. It is not pointless. Listen, we live according to what we know, not how we feel. My favorite founding father is John Adams, and he said this. I love this. I thank God that he gave me stubbornness when I know I'm right. You like that? I like that. Let me say it again. I thank God that he gave me stubbornness when I know I'm right. Listen. Know you're right. Not feel you're right. Not guess you're right. Huh? You, not just you're thinking you're right, but you know you're right. Stand on things that the Bible says in black and white and don't budge. And let me tell you, denominations across the United States are jumping ship. Right? You can listen. You hear the, hear the sound of the ankles snapping as everybody jumps off the Jesus bandwagon. They are not following the Lord Jesus into the kingdom. And all of these ministers who are saying, well, this is what the text says, but... Listen, those men and those women are not going into God's kingdom. No, you don't fleece the flock and go into the kingdom. So how do we stand Stand in the Lord? Well, you know His Word and you love God's people. That's why you're here tonight. I bet, I bet that's true of every one of you. You love God's Word, and you, or you know God's Word, and you love God's people. And if we do those two things, brothers and sisters, it won't matter. Listen, it won't matter what the world thinks about us. Huh? Christopher Hitchens said, We don't need the church anymore. So, go away. Our response, we stick to God's word and we love one another. And by the way, no, no, we're not going away. We're not going away. Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, listen to this. We make it our aim. Okay, listen folks, what are you aiming at? Right? A lot of people have aimless lives. That should never be true of a Christian. What are you aiming at? We make it our aim, listen, whether present or absent, whether I'm with you or not, to be 
well-pleasing to him. Okay, folks, that is where we stand. And if a lost world doesn't like it, let them scream. Amen.